I turn your attention this morning to the book of Luke chapter 15. We begin reading in verse 20. Luke chapter 15 and verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Or other translations say embraced him and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to him, said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they begin to be merry. How many of you know that coming to the Lord ought to be a celebration? I want to talk to you this morning on this subject, the Father's reward. The Father's reward. You may be seated and thank you for standing. The story of the prodigal son is one of the most famous stories in the Bible. What is interesting, though, is that many people don't know what the word prodigal means. What does the word prodigal mean? One fellow said it's a young person who's really smart. He was immediately corrected and said that he was thinking of the word prodigy. But what does the word prodigal mean? Well, let me introduce the story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now instead of waiting until you die. That's pretty strong, isn't it? So the father agreed to divide the wealth between the two sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all of his belongings and took a trip to a distant land. The younger son went off to live a lavish lifestyle. The Bible said that as he began to spend more and more, eventually he ran out of funds, ran out of money. How many of you ever been there before? It just seems like it'll never end, but it does. To make matters worse, and matters always get worse, a famine set into the land. And the Bible says... He began to starve. He looked around and he saw a help-wanted sign on a local hog farm. And he got a job working with pigs in a pigsty. His job was to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods that he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired men have enough food to spare. And here I am, the son the man who I left, and I'm dying of hunger. What did he do? Well, he began to recognize and realize that this uh, experience that he had was a lesser life than what was available to him. He recognized that he had settled for something less than the best. The word prodigal actually means someone who leaves a better way of life for a lesser way of life. In other words, it's saying no to the best and saying yes to the less. But upon returning can regain the better life. Prodigal son parable is a divine drama. It illustrates all of humanity's decision to turn their backs on God, to sin against God, and to ultimately leave what is best for each of us. What is best for us in this story is illustrated with one word, home. H-O-M-E. This story is an illustration of our need to find forgiveness because we have sinned against God. And in the parable, the son makes a decision to return home. 
And on his way home, back to his father, it is clear that the path home is through forgiveness. And so it is with us. Is it possible, ladies and gentlemen, that we have exchanged something best in our pursuit of something less? Is it possible that the Father has something better for us if we would return home? As we mentioned in our Sunday school class this morning, before the Son could make the journey, He had to come to Himself, and He came to Himself when He forgave Himself. Many times we cannot make that journey home until we forgive ourselves. Now I believe it's important to understand the comparison between the two words pigsty and home. Now, the Bible does not use the word pigsty, but it does describe the pig pen as a messy place. Now, the pigsty or the messy place in this story illustrates to us what sin has to offer. And ladies and gentlemen, sin is a messy place. When we begin to think about leaving God's best and pursuing something less, at first it appears to be rather extravagant. Of course, otherwise we wouldn't pursue it. I remember when I was a boy, I announced to my parents that I would be running away from home at 1 p.m. <laughs> to view the harvest. They said, where are you going? I said, my plan is to take my blow-up raft and to go down and to launch it in the Indian River. They said, then what? I said, I'm just going to float around and see where it takes me. They said, well, what will you eat? And I said to my mom, can you make me a sandwich? So she made me a sandwich. And then my dad said, it's going to get dark. Do you need a flashlight? And I said, probably. I was a little um, curious as to why they were helping me to run away. <laughs> so my dad went and got me a flashlight. And they literally stood on the front porch and waved to me as I wandered down the street with a blob wrap, a sandwich, and a flashlight. They waved goodbye. I thought at any minute they'll come running down the street. They never did. I went down the street, got in the Indian River with my blow-up raft and my sandwich and my flashlight and floated around and ate my sandwich and shined the light around. And I remembered before I'd left, my dad had told me about sharks and all kinds of other critters that were in the Indian River. And Be really careful because they can bite a hole in your raft and then when it sinks, what are you going to do? I floated around the Indian River about 45 minutes and I can remember thinking to myself, you must be crazy. And I paddled back to the shore, back to where the little dock was there across from the old Pizza Hut on US 1 and I paddled back over there and I got out of the raft and I walked down the street and I got to thinking as I was walking down the street back to my home with my flashlight and my raft. I hope they take me back. Because this is a lot rougher than I thought it was going to be. And so it was for the prodigal son. At first he enjoyed the lifestyle. He had money to burn, but it runs out. He finds himself in a pigsty, that, that trap of sin. The willingness to settle for something less than God's best is a frustrating place to be. But I believe that God sometimes allows us to find ourselves at that point so that we will experience that wake-up call, so that we will come to our senses and realize that there is more to life than what we are experiencing. Then notice 
he begins to think about home. Now, he only begins to think about home, maybe he thought about it earlier, but when things got really rough, he thought about it more often. Then he starts to make that journey based on this logic. The servants in my father's house have it better than me, and I'm the son. But I want to focus today in the few moments that I have with you on the response of the father. The father, first of all, doesn't force the son to stay at home, even though he knows leaving home is a bad idea. He doesn't say that. He literally gives him his portion of the inheritance. And when the son gets in trouble in a foreign land, the father doesn't chase after him and force him to come home. The decision to return home is the son's decision to make. The father can't make it for him. You see, my friend, God loves us way too much to take away our freedom. Just as we have the freedom to choose or to turn our back on God and go our own way, ladies and gentlemen, we also have the freedom to choose to return home and to come back to God. It is our choice, and God can't make that choice for us. He gives each of us a free will to make that decision. But here's what the Father does do. And this is what I love about God. He doesn't force the decision. He can't make the choice for us. But what he does do is set up a grand welcome home party. That's what he does. He doesn't say, well, now when you come back, you're going to have to work your way back up through the system. He just sets up for a great party. The son returns home, and the Bible says in Luke chapter 15 and verse 20, and while he was still a long distance away, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, and he gave him a a big lecture and condemned him. Is that what the Bible says? No, that's not what it says. It says he ran to his son and embraced him and kissed him. What a welcome back party. What an unbelievable reception. I think so many people that once had a relationship with God, they fight every day that pull on their heart to come back home. And a lot of times I believe the enemy whispers in people's ear, Oh, those church people won't receive you. God won't receive you. And tells all these horror stories. When in, when in reality, there is a table spread. When in reality, there is a God who stands with arms open wide. The Bible says all the angels rejoice over one that repents. Do you know what the word repent means in military when they march? Repent! They don't fall down on their knees, although it would probably be good for our military to do that. But what they do is they turn about face. Until I was never in the military. Repent! Do you know what repentance is? It's changing directions. I used to be going that way. I used to be doing my own thing. But here I am. I'm repenting. I'm changing my direction. I used to run from home. Now I'm going home. 
I used to run from God, now I'm going to God. I used to take his name in vain, now I'm worshiping his name. That's what God does. He sets up this enormous welcome home party. And when you make that decision to return to God, this is something I want to really enforce in your minds today. When you make that decision to return to God, you should know this. God is not mad at you. Like the father in this story, God runs to you and he welcomes you back. You say, well, I turned my back on God. That's true. But God is not mad at you. You say, well, but I've done some things that are against God. That may be true. But God is not mad at you. God is the loving Father who operates toward us with grace and He is willing to offer that forgiveness to you and to I. And yes, the Son admits that He's done some wrong and this Son did that and you and I have admitted it. But the Father receives Him and welcomes Him back and never brings it up again. Can I tell you that God forgave you before you ever repented? God forgave you before you ever came back through those doors. God forgives you before you ever make your way to an altar. And God is not mad at you. So many times I think we think God would react like we would react. If somebody walked away from us and they came back, we'd still be mad. But God is not us. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. God is not mad. The Father receives him back and he welcomes him and So will your heavenly father if you take that step toward him. That one step. You know it's that one step that's the hardest. It's the first step that's the hardest. But if you just take that one step, the second one's easier. And the third step's even easier than that. And your loving heavenly father will receive you back with open arms. Now, here's what I want you to notice about what this loving father did. He did more than just say it. He began to take action. Luke chapter 15, verses 22 through 24. The father says to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the fattened calf. That calf, you know, that we've been fattening up over there in the pen for some grand occasion. This is the occasion. So there's four things that the father did. He told him to get a really nice robe and put it on him, the garment, put a ring on his finger, and then he said, I want you to put sandals on his feet, and I want you to get that big fat calf, and we're going to have a party. We're going to have a big dinner. Now, here's what I think is so interesting about this, is because the Heavenly Father decides that he's going to celebrate with a feast for this son, that many thought was dead and would never return. Can I tell somebody here today, maybe your son or daughter is not in church. Can I tell you that as long as there is life, there is hope. You don't know what God is doing working on their hearts right now. He was lost, but now he's found, so the party will begin. Now, let me quickly, I've only got a couple of minutes, but let me break down these four things for you. First of all, bring forth the best robe. Ladies and gentlemen, This robe was a symbol of honor. This robe was a symbol of honor. This, I believe, is similar to what Joseph was given by his father. We talked about this in the adult class. When he was given a coat of many colors as a young man, and his his brothers took it from him because of jealousy. 
They took it from him and they sold him into slavery. And literally, that's how life works. God creates us and he gives us the honor of life and he gives us the dignity of innocence. But then sin steals the robe and we lose our innocence and we lose that peace of living life above sin. And just like Joseph, the Heavenly Father gave a beautiful robe and the Heavenly Father gives us a beautiful robe. And in Joseph's case, his natural father gave it to him. But I believe it's a symbol of what the Lord does. He gives us a heavenly robe. But here's what's so interesting about Joseph. If you read Joseph's life, he was sold into slavery by his brothers. He was in Potiphar's house, the captain of the guard of all of Egypt. And then Potiphar's wife lied on him. He goes into prison. Then he's rejected by some of his prison mates who said, we'll remember you when we were restored back into the kingdom. But by and by, regardless of what people do, God keeps good books. I said, regardless of what people do, I want to tell somebody here today that God can bless you. He doesn't need a person to do it. He can do it all by himself. Woo, hallelujah. You say, boy, I thought that was the guy that was going to bless me. God said, no, I got somebody higher up than that. I thought Potiphar Potiphar was my ticket. No, that didn't work. I thought the butler in Pharaoh's house was going to help me. That didn't work. Guess what? God said, I'm preparing Pharaoh's heart to bless. And when he got up there, he interpreted that dream because that was the gift God had given him. And Pharaoh said, I'm going to put you in charge of everything in Egypt and everyone in Egypt except me. You know what the Bible says that Pharaoh did? He put a robe on Joseph I want to say something right now I don't know what somebody may have hurt you as a child and taken that robe from you but every time what God has given you is taken from you and it's not your fault God will restore it God will restore you say, but that robe was taken from me. He was taken by my own brothers. He was taken by my own family. I've come to tell you about a heavenly father. I don't know when. I don't know how. But I know this. He will restore the robe. He will restore you to a place of honor. That, my friend, is the father's response. Anything that's been taken from you or stolen from you, God will restore it. Pharaoh then also, in the story of Joseph, puts a ring on Joseph's finger, just as the prodigal son's father put a ring on the prodigal son. The robe recognized honor and a place of honor. But when he put that ring on that boy's hand, the ring is a symbol that the heritage between father and son has not been broken. In our day, we would call it the power of attorney. Oh, hallelujah. He was bringing him back to a place of full authority as a son of the master of the house. He was returned back with all benefits. Even though he had left the best life for something less. The father restored him fully and gave him all the benefits. It's amazing to me, but that's how God treats you and I. 
God says when you recognize your need for Him, when you return home to Him, He gives you all the benefits of being a son or a daughter. It's as if you never lost anything in Him. That ring, that heritage is given to us through the receiving of the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says in the book of Romans, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, yea, they have become the sons of God. You know, when God creates us, He gives us the breath of life. What an awesome thing that Brother Mark is able to use his breath to worship God in such a powerful way. He breathes into us life and breath. But you know what He does? When you receive the Holy Ghost, He breathes into you again a holy breath. That's why the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that they heard a rushing mighty wind. That wind was the breath blowing again in a powerful, tangible, undeniable way that he is restoring you to a place of heritage. Because when God created man, he created him in a special place, in a special dominion. But sin removed that. But when you receive the Holy Spirit, that heritage is restored back. And this is what the, the ring was symbolic of, was that it was that restoration, that they're not just another life form on earth, but they are the sons of God. That's why the Holy Ghost was poured out upon the Jew and the Gentile. It didn't matter what your background was. And the Jews of the New Testament had a hard time receiving that. But God said, I'm restoring the robe to all of humanity. And I'm giving them the ring of power and authority with my Holy Spirit. Why? Because everybody can receive this. That you can live your life not being a captive to sin, not being a slave to the impulses of your flesh. But to live above sin is to say, I choose to serve God. You say, I don't know how I could do it, Pastor. On your own, you wouldn't be able to. But God restores all things. The third thing that he did was he put sandals on his feet. Now that probably doesn't say a whole lot to us in modern day America where we all have shoes. But in those days, if you were a slave, you went barefoot. So he is saying to his son, you are returning not as a slave, but you are returning as my son. And he gives him shoes because the slaves went without shoes. But the son was not returning as a slave. He, would, he came back to his dad barefooted because sin will make you a slave. It appears to be bright lights. It appears to be one party after another. But can I tell you, there is no party like the party of coming home. There is no party like the love of a heavenly father that wraps his arms around you and says, welcome home. He restores dignity and honor and power. He establishes you again as he created you to be. That's why, ladies and gentlemen, you've got to decide in your mind and your heart, I'm going to worship God. I don't care if I'm at Walmart. I don't care if I'm at Harris Corporation. I don't care if I'm in the middle of a, of a street in downtown Melbourne. It don't matter if I'm in my car. I'm going to worship the Lord. He's been so good to me. I've got to give thanks to Him every day, 
Why? He gave me back authority. He gave me my marriage back. He gave me my family back. He's given me my home back. He's restored me. He put shoes on my feet. I don't have to live as a slave to sin. He's put sandals on my feet. He was saying that you are not a slave any longer. The sin will treat you like a slave, but God will treat you like a son or a daughter. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they have become the sons of God. And then finally, he kills the fattest calf. The fattest calf for a feast. Now this is a sign of something that is important. Because in those days, you would save the fatted, the fattest, fatted, healthiest, bursting at the seams calf for a really big celebration. Now, I don't know how people do this, but there are people in this world that have a, an affinity for fine wine. And they, they can spend unbelievable amounts of money. I mean, sometimes $5,000 on a, just a little thing of liquid inside of it. I don't know how they do it, but they do it. And more than that. Somebody sent me a, a text the other day and said that a, a guy bought a painting for $180 million dollars. And he put it on his American Express so he would get frequent flyer miles for it. <laughs> Just when you thought you had a lot of miles accumulated. <laughs> he had that black American Express card. I guess it doesn't have a limit. And he charged a $180 million painting to it. Some people, they save the very best. Well, in those days, it wasn't a fine bottle of wine. It wasn't pull out the good art or put out the best was simply this. Where's that really fat calf? That one we've been working on for a while, feeding them some extra food. That's about how I feel around Thanksgiving time. <laughs> Go get him. Maybe the servants even looked at him. I know the older brother was really unsure about all this celebration. Go and get the fattest calf. Yeah, but we were saying that for the oldest brother's wedding. <laughs> oh, boy. I, as a pastor, I got all kind of things that went through my head right there. <laughs> the biggest party ought to be for people that have been faithful. But the father says, go get the fattest calf. Because my son has returned home. I'm going to tell you something about God. If nobody else celebrates... God celebrates when one of his creation comes back home. We ain't waiting for a better day. We're not waiting for a better celebration. We're going to have a party right now. I'm so thankful that we have the hope of heaven. I'm so thankful that one day we're going to sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and, and, and we're going to sit down at that marriage supper of the Lamb. But can I tell you that serving God is a celebration every day. I said serving God is a celebration every day. When I think of His goodness and all He's done for me, my soul cries out, Hallelujah! Thank God for saving me! 
Every day I rejoice because God is good. He's been better today than yesterday. He's kept me. He's brought us a mighty long way. Come on, stand to your feet. We got something to celebrate. The Father is throwing the best celebration to welcome home His Son. Coming home is a celebration. Coming home is a party for the Father. Everything, my friend, about coming home to the Lord is about forgiveness. It's about freedom. It's about unspeakable joy. It's a family reunion. It's a party. I can see this family celebrating with the spirit of thanksgiving. And I believe the Lord gave this parable for you and I so that we could just get a picture, a portal into heaven and see what heaven does every time somebody comes home. Now the invitations are being sent out. Heavenly invitations through the preaching of the word of God are being sent out. Everybody under the sound of my voice. Question is, will you RSVP? Will you respond? Will you attend? Will you come to the party that God is throwing? It's the Father's response. You say, oh, Pastor, do you really think God does it? I know He does. He's the one that told the story. He was telling it about his own nature. About a heavenly father who had robed himself in flesh as the son of God. He was saying, come home. I wonder how many of you that stand in this building today, how many of you would RSVP to that party that God wants to throw by stepping out of where you're standing and making your way down to the front and come down and stand at this altar all across this building. Come on, my friend, it's time to come home come back into the presence of God come back to a place of favor come on the heavenly father's got a robe and and a ring maybe you've been feeling like your life is out of control come on God wants to put that symbolic ring upon your finger right now and tell you you're still my child you're my son you're my daughter come on he's not giving up on you Maybe you say, I'm doing good, Pastor, but I'd like to stand in the place of a, of, of a loved one that's not here today, but I'm going to pray for him right now. Come on. Will you accept the invitation? There's people that are coming down to the party right now. The RSVP, come on. Will you respond to what God is doing in your life right now? Come on, make your way down. He'll receive you right where you are. You don't have to look to the right or to the left. You don't have to go anyplace else. There's a God right now who stands before you with arms stretched out. Come on, my friend. Come on, right now, God is calling you. God is calling you. God is calling you. Step out from where you're at. Make your way here. That's it. That's it. He loves you right where you are. You love-